We are talking on the topic of dealing with delay. If you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, we are in a series called Uniquely Luke. These are passages, parables that are only in the book of Luke. Today, we are in Luke chapter 18. Here we go. Now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Saying, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling, but afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Would you pray with me, please? Father, I want to thank you for your word. Would you please hide me behind the cross? Would you help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today? Lord, would you go into every dark place in us and expose it so that you can heal it and break its power over us? Lord, come and speak. Help us hear you, help us see you, and help us respond to you. And we will give you all the glory for every good thing that happens here right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Dealing with delay, point one, understand the time we're living in. We are living in a time that God is drawing people, not forcing people. So here's Luke 17, 24 and 25. For the son of man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first... He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So Jesus says, all of the prophecies of the Old Testament that talk about this king that's going to come, that is going to come, the Son of Man is going to come in the clouds and he's going to be king over the whole earth and rule from Israel and knowledge and, and the glory of God will fill the whole earth and he will rule with an iron scepter, this king, and there will be instant justice. It will be known as a time of justice. The curse will come off creation. We call it the millennial reign of Christ. He said, that's all coming. I am going to be revealed in glory. It will be like lightning. I am going to come, and I'm going to fulfill everything you guys think Messiah is. But first, but first, I'm going to do something that you didn't see coming. First, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be turned over to the priests. This is the time that we are living in right now. We are living in a time 
unforeseen by most of those that were alive at Jesus' time, this time between Jesus' death and, 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 and his first coming and his second coming. And it is a time of delayed justice. So how did they so miss it? Well, it turns out what they underestimated was the scope of the problem humanity had. They thought the problem was the Romans. They thought the problem was bad people. Well, it turns out the problem was way more insidious than that. So look at Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? So it turns out, we've got this unjust judge. Could you have a a, a picture of a more selfish person? He really doesn't care. He's a judge, but he doesn't care about justice, and he doesn't care about this widow. (laughs) The reason why he eventually gives her justice is for him, because she's wearing me out with her coming. She's exhausting me. I'm I'm exhausted from her coming. I'm going to give her, you could not find a more selfish reason for him to give justice, nothing to do with justice or her, it's all about him. Well, here's the problem. You know that unjust judge? He lives in all of us. Evil is not something out there. It's not something that's in Russia or in China or in a different political party than you're in and that's evil and that's evil and that's evil. No, evil runs right through your heart. So this cry for justice, if you want justice, um, God would have had to destroy all of us. (laughs) None of us would be here. So what he did was he did this. He came down. God came down, took on human flesh, lived a perfect life so he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He took your punishment. He took my punishment. Why? Because he loves you. We had all sinned against his holiness. He loves us, so he came down. He made himself a sacrifice so that now, in Christ, we can have our sins forgiven. That is God's justice right now. John chapter 12, verse 32 says this. If I be lifted up, and he's speaking of the cross, I will draw all people to myself. Draw is the opposite of force. God's not forcing anybody. Has anybody noticed that you don't have puppet strings on you? Did you check this morning to see if God, did God make you come to church? Did you, I'm going to get them to church. No, you chose to be here. You are here because you chose to be here. I remember when I first became a Christian, I wanted the puppet strings. I'm like, God, what do I have to do? I told you I'm in. Could I please stop sinning now? Please, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Could you just take over because I don't, I, you know, I, I left that love. I take over. He's like, no, you got to choose it every day. You're going to have to choose it every day. Has anybody ever wanted puppet strings on their children? Is that frustrating to anybody else? God, they're making bad choices. God, please stop them. Stop them. God's like, no, go out, let them do it. I'll work with it. I'm going to draw them. I'm committed to this. Well, God's commitment to drawing people rather than forcing people is delayed justice. It means this world is really messy. There's lots of unjust judges everywhere, leaders everywhere. And why isn't God doing something? Well, God did do something. He came and he died on a cross and he is drawing people. That's what he's doing right now. He's drawing people. 
to himself, not forcing. Understand the time we're living in. It is a time of spiritual warfare. Here's Daniel chapter 10, 10 through 13. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. This is an angel speaking to Daniel. You are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So we get this little veil taken back to see what actually goes on when we pray, that God heard the prayer the first day you prayed it. He saw you, he, he knows the problem, he heard your, your cry, and he gave the answer. On day one, he gave the answer, but he sent it with me, and I had trouble getting here. There was, there's all kinds of warfare going on, and it took me 21 days to get here, and here it is, here is your answer. Well, why would God do it that way? Why wouldn't God just give direct answers? Why would he send answers by angels? Why would he, he do it that way? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea why he does it that way. But I'll tell you what, that's what's going on right now. <laughs> We're in a time of spiritual warfare. We're in a time where there is stuff going on that you and I could not possibly grasp, but we, we live in this time, and instead of being frustrated with the time we're living, just understand this is part of this time. There is going to be delayed answers to prayer, even though God does care, God is hearing, and you're gonna have to deal with delay, and you're gonna have to persevere. Persevere in prayer. Jesus gives us in Luke chapter 11, this story. They had asked about teaching him to pray, and we did a whole message on this before, but in this one, somebody has come at midnight, and the friend doesn't have anything to give him, so he goes to the friend's house, and he knocks on the door, and the guy inside says, go away. My wife and my children are sleeping. Go away. But he keeps knocking, and it, it, the Bible says he doesn't hear him because he's his friend. He hears him, but he, he gets up because of the shameless audacity. This guy will not stop knocking. And so to get, to, to get, the only way to get rid of him is to get up and give him what he wants. And so Jesus says, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking, ask and keep asking. For if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? But it's in the tense of ask and continue to ask. What an odd story. Is God sleeping? Here's what Jesus is saying. You're going to think God is sleeping. You're going to think he's indifferent. You're going to have voices that are saying, God might see others, but he doesn't see you. He doesn't hear you. He, he, he doesn't care. He's, he, he doesn't really love you. He doesn't really care about this situation. God is indifferent. God is telling you to go away. And you're going to have to press through all of those voices. There is an, there's a narrative that hell wants to give you. That's called spiritual warfare. 
And, and it can feel emotional and it can feel like, you know, if, if God loves me, he would do this. If God, did, did, if God cared, he would do this and, and stop it. You're in spiritual warfare and you're believing lies. God loves you, God cares for you. You are not a, a widow, you are a favored bride. He is not asleep, and he's certainly not an unjust judge. He is the judge of the whole earth. He loves justice, and he hears us, and he will come quickly to bring justice. But we need to press through every other narrative that is trying to tell us that God's not there, that God doesn't exist, that God, if he does exist, is indifferent. Lies, those are all lies. Delayed justice does not mean that God doesn't care. It just means he draws instead of forces, and we're in a time of spiritual warfare. So that's point one, dealing with delay. Understand the time we're living in. The whole, this whole passage is about the second coming. You read the end of Luke 17, it's all about he's coming. He's coming again. It'll be like the days of Noah. It'll be like the days of Lot. People are going to be eating, drinking, and the Son of Man will come. So people ought to pray and not become discouraged and gives this thing about them. And he says, he says, so will God give justice quickly to his elect, but will he find faith when the Son of Man comes again Will he find faith? It's all about those that are living in this time that we're in right now. Jesus is coming back. He's already come the first time. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be ready for his coming? All right, so here's point two. Choosing persevering prayer. So a widow in, in that day, in Israel, in that could not get work. A widow was the most defenseless person, and God revealed himself in Psalm 68 as the defender of widows and orphans. Why? Because they had no other defense. This widow has no other recourse, if she wants justice, than to keep going to this judge. Now, she can lie, steal, cheat, kill, or seduce to try to get justice, but legally, she's only got two options. One is to keep going to this judge, and the other is to give in to discouragement and despair. And so she's got no other recourse, so she just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back, refuses to give in to discouragement. What choice will we make? You can either become a person of prayer, have a spirit of prayer on you, or you can become discouraged and become cynical and lose heart. Everybody has to make a choice. The end of 2000, actually the last six months of 2021, I did this series on Sunday nights, several Sunday nights, on the history of revival. And it was started with the Protestant Reformation, did the first Great Awakening, the second Great Awakening, the Wales Revival, all the way through revival, 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 revival. And as 2021 ended, we were having action steps for 2022. And so there were two big action steps. One, we were gonna start these River Rising meetings. Once a month, first Sunday, River Rising, we have one tonight. These are all, these are all about contending for revival. The other one was, I, 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 we had Ben Goodman coming. Ben is a, a prophet. We had him, come, he was coming anyway in November, and 
we sent out a letter, all of the region-wide pastors and business owners that are, that are Christian and had a big gathering. We gave them a free breakfast and we talked about revival and about what it would look like and, and how to contend for it. And before everybody, I shared and Ben shared and before everybody left, they could sign up for this. This was the action step. Once a month, a prayer meeting the first Thursday of every month in 2022, noon to 1.30. And in this prayer meeting, they were invited to pray bigger pray, the bigger prayers. And, and this, is, this is the history of revival. Every revival has this. It starts with a group of people getting a spirit of prayer on them and start praying bigger prayers. What are bigger prayers? A, a bigger prayer is not a prayer for your church or your grandma or your dog. Those are all legitimate prayers. God wants to hear about all of our stuff, but the bigger prayers are where you're praying for his glory to be revealed, his presence to be poured out, for the supernatural to happen, signs and wonders, so that a great harvest will come in. Somebody has to agree with God for the things that aren't on our heart necessarily, they're on his heart. And somebody needs to grab a hold of that and let the Holy Spirit, and I, and I don't think you get this without the Holy Spirit giving it to you. But I'm like, this, this is what it's going to take. And so they could all sign up if they wanted to. And so committed 12 Thursdays down in the city church family meeting. And so we did those. We did those 12 and noon to, 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 to 12.30. We have the lights down and the music loud. And, it's t and I just tell everybody, just... Get your own thoughts out, your own desires out, everything that's wrong with your life out, and start letting the Holy Spirit give you prayers. These are the ones we're excited about, when the Holy Spirit gives you prayer. And then you pray them, and then at 1230, the music goes off, and we're in a circle, there's usually 20 to 40 there, and, and everybody prays, gets to pray once until 1.30, and then we're, we're, we're out. Everybody gets to pray once, and we just come into agreement. So we did this. We did this all 2022, and got to the end of 2022, and... And I sent out a letter and I, and I talked about shameless audacity and that we need to keep pressing in. So let's do it again in 2023. So we've done it in 2023. And so here, fast forward, uh, it's, it's now October of 2023. We're in the prayer meeting. It's the half hour where I'm pacing, the lights are down and, and I'm thinking about 2024. I'm like, God, do, you, do we need to do this again? 2024? And I informed him of the definition of insanity. <laughs> to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. I'm like, God, we, you know, we've done this for two years. And, it, you know, I'm not saying it's not good to pray. It's not good to be together. But, you know, should it be somewhere else? Or could somebody else do it? Or is there another way? But, you know, do you really want us to keep doing this? And, and, uh, and then this this widow comes to me just so strong this widow and the parallel of the widow is his elect not that ask once but his elect that cry out day and night there there is a spirit of prayer on his elect and he will bring justice quickly he will do it quickly and and so it's all about this widow and about don't give up and and so i'm like okay but but i had sent something out we had just had hope night and what we do, I usually, I always start the prayer 
and then it goes to the left, it goes all the way around, and Greg usually sits, Pastor Greg usually sits right next to me, and so I'm first, I pray, and I decided to not pray about the widow. I decided to pray about Hope Night and the three speakers, and I prayed into what they had said, and, and so I get done with my prayer, it gets to Pastor Greg. Pastor Greg prays, oh my, word for word, everything I was thinking about the widow and the unjust judge. And about, about staying in there and about, about God give us that spirit of prayer that we won't let go until you do everything you have promised. I'm like, ah, we're supposed to do this again in 2024. So here's what I got recently. So insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result unless you're pregnant. Because when you're delivering a baby, I haven't delivered any myself, but so I've heard, they say push. I already pushed. Push again, push again, push again, push again, push again. Because when you're pregnant, one of those pushes is going to change everything. And there's going to be wah, 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 and, and, and all of a sudden that baby's going to be born. And so here it is. If we are not pregnant in America right now with revival and awakening, if that's not God's plan, that's not on God's heart, and that's not coming, then we're insane. Then, then to, to set time aside to pray and have all these prayer meetings, and then that would just be, you know, just go out and do something. But that's, that's a waste of time. Guys, I would stake my life on this. God is fixing to do something in this land. God, God, God is fixing to do something that only God can do. There is going to be a third great awakening in America. Revival is when the church comes alive again and the church is talking about Jesus Monday through Friday, not, or Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday. Awakening is when there's such an outpouring of the Spirit that they're talking about Jesus in the bars because my uncle got healed. Get, make it a double. Uh, I had a dream last night. Make it a triple. I, this is going on. This is about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is everywhere. That's awakening. You can't get away from it. He is everywhere. And everybody is talking that the, the things that are most important are also the most urgent. All of a sudden, doesn't matter who won last night's ball game. So here's the question that I have. Are we done yet with human answers? Are we done yet? I want to read to you from Psalm 37. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. So there are two engines that human beings use to try to make things right. One is fear-based and one is anger-based. And they both, fear and anger both have a voice and they both get you motivated, but they don't produce good things. They produce more darkness. 
And so at some point, you have to be done. You have to be done with you trying to change everything, you fighting evil. There's evil in the world, and so we're gonna fight it, and we're gonna, we're gonna do this, or we're gonna do that, or we're gonna do that, or we're gonna do that. And, and a lot of what the church often does is only increasing the darkness. So it, 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 2024 is coming, and I hope we do better than we did in 2020. 2020, we had an election, and we had a pandemic. And the church, fear and anger were, was everywhere. It was on every Facebook, and the church became very vocal, and very this, and this, and this, and this, and it was fear and anger were exposed. And I believe the reason why fear and anger were exposed, it was because God wants to deal with it. Amen. God doesn't want us to live that way anymore. He wants us to commit our way to him, to rest our hearts in him, and know that he's going to bring forth righteousness. He's going to bring forth. Stop fretting because of evil. It leads to more evil. Well, P -P Pastor Tom, what are you, what, what are you saying? It, it, we're going to trust God? Yep, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that does not seem very practical. Well, the current way we're doing it's not getting it done. The church for the last three decades has lost ground in America. <laughs> Folks, what's it gotta be for us to be done with human answers? We've got a war in Ukraine. We've got a war in Israel. China and Taiwan are on the verge of war. We've got $30 trillion of debt. We've got public schools that don't even know if we have boys or girls. They, they can't even, they don't even know what sex they are. It's a mess. It's a mess. The idea that we're gonna change America by changing a law or getting our person, and I don't even know who our person would be that's gonna get into office and gonna change everything, is, re is ridiculous. You gotta be past that. We need, we need a revival and an awakening in this country. That's what we need. People ought to always pray and not become discouraged or lose heart. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. What on earth does that mean? Nothing you and I can produce on our own. It is a spirit of prayer. It is the Holy Spirit, when, when, when a spirit of prayer is on you, it's no longer about me, it's about us. Everything is God. It's me and God together. We're, we're, God isn't... Before everything, God's the center of everything. God's not first, he's center. And he's part of everything. Everywhere I go, God's, God's going. And prayer is like reflective. It is like this burning sense and acceptance of this dependency on the Holy Spirit where, where the lamp is burning all of the time. This is not something that we produce or we work up or human energy we're gonna make the prayer meeting three hours. We're gonna do it if it kills us. Well, it probably will kill us. This is about grace. This is about what he can do in us, not what we can do ourselves. So here we are, ready for his return. So this is all about the second coming. It's all about when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Here's what Jesus is saying. You guys are struggling with God and why are there delays and why doesn't God do everything right now and the way we thought he should. And here's what Jesus is saying. The problem's not with God. God God's, 
good, God loves justice, God loves you, God will always do his part, he's always faithful, he can only be faithful, he is God. He said the issue is not God, I will come again just on schedule, everything will be just how God wants it. The issue, the question is not with God, it's with you. Question is, is what will you be doing? Will you be ready when I come back? He said, people are gonna be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. They're gonna be buying and selling and planting and and reaping. These are all things that are neutral. These are not bad things. But he's saying people are going to be, have learned how to live their lives without me. And I'm gonna come quickly and I'm gonna come suddenly. Will you be this burning, praying person or will you be, have you learned how to live your life without God? So here's Luke 12, 35. This is in context of the second coming of how to be ready. He says this. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. One translation says it this way. Be always ready to serve and keep your lamps Burning. Now, the lamps back then are not electric lamps that you turn, they're oil lamps. You gotta, you gotta keep them oiled. You gotta stay oiled. You gotta keep that burning going. This is our dependence on the Holy Spirit. This is our need, not just to have a one-time filling, but to be filled every day, to live and live more and more in the Holy Spirit. The reason why we call it river rising is because It's from Ezekiel 47. It's an acknowledgement that the Holy Spirit's already here and he's already doing stuff. How many know that that's true? We We see evidence of him doing stuff everywhere around us and we're so grateful for it. But in Ezekiel 47, the river starts rising. Starts at the ankles and then it's the knees and it gets higher and higher. And as a river rises, there's less human control and more divine control. Everything the river touches comes to life. All you gotta do is get touched by the river and you will live. And so what the church needs is this, this river, this river rising. The early church prayed for 10 days. Peter preached for 10 minutes and 3,000 people were saved. That's revival. I'm concerned about our young people. I I, I want our young people to get a taste of what it is to wait on God. A taste of what it is to be in his presence. I'm convinced of this. Young people like the presence of God. There's no reason you can't bring your whole family to River Rising. And just, let's just see what they do. Well, I I don't want to go. Well, the flesh is is weak, but the spirit's willing. And and it turns out that when when you get waiting on God in your spirit, and we choose this. We choose this before God. We, we, cho- we, we can't give ourselves a persevering prayer life, but we can choose it in our weakness. And we can put ourselves around God and say, God, come on, do it in us. Do it in us. Do it in, even in America that's so gripped by every distraction, every video game, every, every, everything that's going on with Facebook and, and cell phones. And God, even here, give us a spirit of prayer. Let, let the river rise here. Let the river rise. Give us that oil that we have burning hearts that are always in your presence, whether we're at work, whether we're at school, wherever we are, that we are, we are ready 
And it's a stage rest for action. What that means is this, is that as we host the presence of God, as we have these burning lamps, God's going to tell us to do stuff. And it's not fear telling us, it's not anger telling us, it's God saying it. I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want you to go here, I want you to go there. I want you to vote, I want you to protest, I want you, but it's not driven by anger or fear, it's driven because I'm here because God told me to do this. Changes everything. These little acts of obedience change everything. We are not hiding in church praying. We're getting the oil lamp filled and we're ready. We're ready to do whatever, fearlessly do whatever God tells us to do. So, so look at this passage in Isaiah 42. This is quoted in Matthew 12 about Jesus, about the Messiah. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. So Jesus is inviting us into his eternal life, his, his perspective on things. And he's here right now. He's not quarreling and yelling and screaming. He is, he, everybody he sees, he's, he, he's, that's a bruised reed. He's not here to break it. He's here to strengthen it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love them back to health. He sees the, the dimly burning wick, the, the smoldering wick, and he's like, I'm going to breathe you back to fire. And, and, and he, he's not going to be discouraged. And so what he's calling us into is, out of discouragement, out of cynicism. And he's calling us to share his burning heart and this life of love where we just act in love. So there is a movie in the theaters right now. We saw it Wednesday night. It's called After Death. And it's a documentary about all these people that died and went to heaven, some went to hell, and they came back and told their experience. And the, the, the one guy that I just loved, it's, it's a very academic type of approach at it, but he's like, he's like, evidence is not proof. But at some point, if you get enough anecdotal evidence it sure makes the case for it being proof. And so and it, they spans decades of these these experiences of people that die and what happens to them. So one guy has his story told. He grew up in an abusive home. He was abused from early on by his dad. And then he became a drug addict. And then he had an overdose and demons came and started taking him to hell. And he is going down this bottomless pit and he's going, and he's going, and he's going, and he keeps crying out, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. And the more he says that, the faster he goes down. And then he changes his prayer, and he starts crying out for the mercy of God. And he doesn't see God, but he, something stops him and lifts him up. And he comes all the way up, and he describes it as being an ocean of love. He's in this ocean of love, and he said he doesn't see God, but God speaks to him. 
God says this, I'm sending you back. And he says, what do you want me to do? And he says, I'm going to bring people to you, and I want you to love them. He says, okay, what do I do after that? And, he, and God says, that's the whole plan. And he says, God, that plan isn't working. He said, God says, this, this is the plan that will change the world. I'm going to bring people to you, and you love them. This is the plan that will change the world. And he says to God, that plan's not working. And God speaks to him a second time and says this, that's the plan, and he's back in his body. I don't like God's plan. I wanted something bigger. I expected something more. Sorry, this is how God works. He's working in seeds. Where you and I, filled with the Holy Spirit, he's going to bring people to our life, and here's our job, love them. How? However you're supposed to. Whatever, whatever, whatever God wants you, however God is telling you to love them, love the people in front of you. It will change the whole world. This is the plan. Let's get back to this question of if, why isn't Jesus back? Why? He said he was coming soon. He said that 2,000 years ago. Where is he? Well, you came to the right service because I've got the answer to that question. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The reason why Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he wants you to repent. He doesn't want to come back with you unprepared. He wants you to be ready. 